Hi, this is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network. We hope you are staying safe, sound, and sane as this year continues to drag on, and we do all that we have to do to get through this pandemic. Well, how about this? If you want to be on a Zoom call that isn't dreadfully boring, please join us for Zoomapalooza, an interactive adventure of fun, games, comedy, and who knows what else. Tickets are absolutely free, or hire us for your next office or corporate event. Just visit pod617.com slash Zoom. That's pod617.com slash Zoom. Now enjoy the following production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves, welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. As announcer guy just pointed out to you, if you like this podcast, we beg you, we plead of you, we, we gently request of you to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review if you're so moved, and share it with a friend or a colleague or someone you just want to play a cruel practical joke upon. Well, we've been thinking a lot about education this year because our kids are either learning online, which is weird, some kind of hybrid thing, which is also weird. And everything is upside down in the upside down world of 2020 as we record this in kind of late December. Happy New Year, by the way, everybody. We've got someone on the line to talk about education. And hey, I found my drum roll. Here it is. It's Mike Bauer, who is the CEO of the UP Education Network. Let's give a hand for Mike. Yeah. I'm, I'm breaking in a new applause sound effect, and I don't know if that one sounded convincing or not, but Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, David. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us here in the virtual studio. So... I imagine this has been a crazy busy year for you, but you tell me, give us actually in a nutshell what you do because your company has a track record of success, rapidly transforming chronically underperforming district schools into extraordinary schools with high achievement, which is a noble cause if I've ever heard one, far more noble than anything I've pursued. Tell us a little bit about what you do first and then we'll get into what 2020 has brought. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, happy to do that. So at Up Education Network, we we operate five schools right now, two in Lawrence, three in Boston, and we we partner with the state and the local district to come in and, and manage schools that, that have struggled. And so we like have certain autonomies to, to run schools and work with, like truly partner with the, the district and the state to try and help turn those schools around and make them better in partnership with uh, those districts, but also like families and communities as well. My job is, is as like the chief operating officer is really, I guess the easiest way to explain it is anything to do to, to support instruction. So like all of the like finance, talent, data, budgeting, things like that, that helps support instruction that follow, falls under my uh, area of responsibility in running those so how did you get into this? I know you got a little bit of a background in education. You have a degree from MIT, so you're like wicked, wicked smart. But yeah, tell us what drew you to this. Yeah, 
So I, I grew up just south of Boston in, in Canton. Both my parents. Canton, to- Canton. I grew up in Sharon, which is Canton's. The yeah, Hockamock League, huh? Yeah, go Hockamock League. Canton, <laughs> Canton is, is Sharon's tougher older brother. That's how I always <laughs> describe it. So I don't remember you beating me up when I was a kid, but you look younger yeah, than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both my parents are like our retired Boston public school teachers. Okay. And so uh, education's always been something that is important and had been important and something I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. I like my background is definitely different. I, I went to undergrad at the Naval Academy, served in the military for a while. Then, as you like, went to business school here in Boston at MIT, and then found my way into the education space because it's something that had always I'd always had a passion about and wanted to help in a different capacity than being a teacher. And so, about eight years ago, made the transition into the education space in Chicago, and then two years ago moved back here home to Boston. Give us an example of one of your success stories, sort of before and after, if if you can whether specific or not, but going into a school system and diagnosing the problems and then performing your wizardry. Yeah, I think, I think, first of all, like there's like a, there's a lot of smart and like very capable people that do this work and passionate people. I think, I guess an example uh, of something that I think is successful is like a lot of people are just trying to do too much because they're like, their heart and like they want to provide everything they can to kids and families. And I think as, as coming into the organization that I'm in now is I think there just needed to be a, more of a focus. So instead of trying to do like we had this strategic plan that we were trying to execute on and we had like 76 initiatives that we wanted to execute on all that like are well-intentioned, but yeah. just trying to do much too much. Like if you try to do everything, you end up not doing anything. Right. So really trying to focus on the, the biggest levers of improvement. And so whittled those things, those initiatives down to a number of them and really started to track our progress on those to make them executed well. And then you learn from that on how to execute well, and then you can increase your capacity. I think where we where we really try and focus our work is building the capacity of our leaders, our school leaders, and supporting them to help run schools in the most effective way. Mm-hmm. Why do you enjoy what you do? Tell me that. Like a few reasons. I, I, I'm just a mission-oriented person. I think I get that from you know being in the military for a while. And so like having, it's important to me to work for, for an organization that I feel like is doing, doing good. And I, I realize I don't know if there's a better place to do it than in the world of education. And so I love that. But then I also just, I really like work, like I, I like working with people. And so the people that are at the network and the people like most importantly, like our, our people in the schools, whether that's our principals, uh, our ops team members, or our teachers that are like doing the actual work. That's what, that, that's what gets me the most exciting, just working with people. So 2020. Let's talk about this wonderful year that is almost over. Thank the good Lord. And has that affected your world? In other words, the schools you work with have, I I take it you laugh because the answer is is unfortunately yes. But tell Uh, me and take us back to March of this year when you're going along your merry way and doing the good work that you do. And then huge curveballs come flying yeah you. enormous curveballs i mean we've pretty much had to like reinvent what school is and when we 
I think we, as an organization, we are not an enormous district and we have the ability to be a little bit agile, which has been helpful. But our, when we heard that the pandemic was going to start and we were going to shut schools for at least a little bit, our first goal was to get families like materials that they would need so that we could continue. So learning could continue to happen outside of the classroom. And so it started with printing a lot of paper and delivering that paper to families so they could continue their work. And then it just rapidly evolved into when we realized it was going to be longer, getting families more than just paper. So getting them Chromebooks or iPads so that they could continue their work and helping to set up teachers in a remote classroom through Zoom and get them set up and learn. Like we learned a ton quickly and are still learning today to that we hoped it wouldn't continue through this school year, but it has. And so really it's just, it's taking the school experience for kids and trying to, trying to replicate it as much as possible in a remote setting so that we can do both either remote or a hybrid option, which requires a portion of remote learning anyway, and setting all of that up in a really like fast and expeditious way. Mm-hmm. And have you been pleased with the results or at least satisfied with the result? I mean, I don't think I don't think you could talk to anyone in education that would say that they're pleased with the results. I mean, there's definitely wins that we've had, and I think we've handled it really well. Like you, you can go in and it, watching a classroom and watching a teacher like give a lesson in a remote setting that is engaging for kids is like it's truly magical to see it's so hard mm-hmm. i mean i sit on zoom all day really like whether it's meetings like planning and i'm exhausted at the end of the day and like i can't even imagine i can try and imagine like you're sitting on zoom all day engaging 25 you know kids at a time who are who are like don't have as many social outlets and like how you do that, just engaging them in general, but also improving their instruction is just incredibly difficult. And uh, like, I just think that like, that's what I feel I would be like most proud of is the, is what our teachers have been able to do. So are we talking about things like, I know what you're talking about for sure, because we offer a product here at pod 617, pardon the plug, but we do a, a live game show called Zoomapalooza, which is, is meant to be, turning the zoom thing on its head and just peppering the whole thing. I mean, it's really just for fun, but it's, but you know, organizations and firms and offices and companies need fun now more, more than ever, or at least to change a pace. And so we try to push the boundaries of what the virtual experience can deliver games, puzzles, humor, music, all of that kind of wrapped in. Are your teachers that you work with are they are there tricks that that have proven to be tried and true are they dressing up in costumes what are they doing what is that like yeah there's definitely some innovative things happening like there's one teacher in particular that like in order to engage kids was like okay anytime any new like if when a new kid talks or engages mm-hmm. i'll put a sticker on my face <laughs> and That's so she started putting stickers on her face the kids got really in, engaged in it and, and excited and like it's like silly little things like that so like at the end of the class she had just said stickers all over her face <laughs> i think there's there's other things that that like teachers have been incredibly innovative in this in this space. There's, there, I mean, and there's times where like it's 
you they will just go on Zoom to connect with kids, right? There's no instructional part. It's just like, hey, just like they would do at like recess or in like lunch where kids are missing out on just mm-hmm. having a space to to talk with each other, like doing things like whether it's trivia or just sharing what what's your favorite food or what have you done this week just to connect more socially to kids is is something that our teachers are really doing a great job at. I'm picturing some poor teacher at the end of the the Zoom call logging off and breathing a sigh of relief and like she or he is down to their last sip of coffee. They're exhausted. They've got their face covered with stickers. (laughs) It's just quite an image. It's great. So you mentioned both your teachers, both your teachers, both your parents were teachers as you were growing up and I'm always a sucker for a good story about inspirational teachers. I'm sure your parents were just that, but can you remember a teacher in your past that was particularly inspirational to you? Yeah, I definitely can. In high school, I had a a math teacher, Marty Bedoin, who has unfortunately passed away in the last couple of years. Taught for like, I want to say like 68 years. Mm was was a math teacher in high school. I was was not the best math student. Like pretty good uh like pretty good athlete in high school and like wasn't cut for many teams. The only team I've ever been cut from was the math team. And so I struggled a lot and I he was just like super helpful in not only like the time he would spend but like how he would challenge kids like very intentionally and like I have like so many memories of like staying after school, like with him trying to work on problems, a lot of the times being unsuccessful. But I think that's like a lot of the, a lot of what the purpose of school is really is like, like getting things wrong till you eventually get them right. Mm-hmm. And I just think he, he helped in that way so much. And then I end up being a, like a math major in college because of it. Did you ever have the chance to go back and tell your teacher that what he had done made an impact on you? I did. I did. I really wish I I had a closer relationship with him. I was kind of scared of him a lot. Pretty intimidating (laughs) guy. But but I mean, he's made an impact on so many people in in like in our town that is like that have gone on to do really great things. So he was super inspirational. That's great. Sounds like he he left behind quite a legacy. My, My inspirational story is a I had my version of the Robin Williams character in Dead Poets Society. I went to preps. I went to prep school at Milton Academy, and Mr. Connolly was my creative writing teacher, and he was straight out of Central Casting. He had like uh, the, the thick glasses, and he smoked a pipe, and he had the the jacket with the elbow patches on it, and he was kind of a, a soft spoken guy, but he would take something we'd written, he'd challenge us to write a poem. So I tried to write a poem about being homesick at, at summer camp. And it was garbage. What I And he it was a one-on-one meeting with him. He turns over my page and he starts to scribble. And within like three and a half minutes, he had written these three amazing lines of that exactly. And so he really showed me, it, it was one of his rules was show, don't tell. And so it's hard to tell someone how to write creatively, but if you show them the way, and I later went on to become a writer and, and I saw him at a reunion and I told him that and he seemed kind of dumbstruck. And later someone else, another teacher came up to me and said, what did you say to Mr. Connolly? And I said, oh, I just told him that, you know, he was an inspiration to me. And now I write for a newspaper and 
She said, because he told me that what you had said to him, and then he was close to tears. And so he wouldn't show the emotion in front of me, but someone else. So that, that I'm a sucker for those kind of stories. Hey, I, I, I mean, I think that's just like, that's why teachers do the work that they do. And they do it in a, mostly an un, like a, in a very selfless way. But like, a, that's why it, it can mean so much for somebody, especially someone they've taught to tell them that they made an impact in their life. Like that's they obviously don't do it for the money. They do it for like to do good things in in the in like society, the world, and having someone that they taught like tell them that they made an impact. That's amazing. I think more people should do that. Yeah, it's absolutely. There's there's something just pardon the cliched word, but there's something just magical about that. It's great. So Mike Bauer again. It's the Up Education Network, and you can find out more at upeducationnetwork.org. Is that the best way for people to get in touch with you, Mike? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. They're, it'll tell a lot about uh, who we are and what we do. And how can people help you? What is your challenge? I don't know if, are you a nonprofit or no? I we are. So. Okay. You know, we're, so. we're a non-for-profit. I mean, the, the simplest way, like if you go to upeducationnetwork.org, like you can figure, you can see more of what we're doing and you can, you can donate. We are a 501c3 non-for-profit. We do like some of the, the resources and support we're able to give like families and kids and and our teachers uh, and staff is through philanthropic support. So that's always, that's always welcome. I think like, just like as we're talking about like teachers and like th th those are the, what, what I, what, what I think would be great is especially during like the holidays and like trying to be reflective and not trying to get too like corny here myself. That's okay. But <laughs> I think like everybody, like how hard teachers are actually working and like you hear a lot about it like a lot of stuff gets politicized and like when we're talking about like teachers unions or whatever it might be. I mean, at the end of the day, like teachers are working so incredibly hard at what they do. And like, I don't think that they're getting the love and like mm -hmm. appreciation that they need. And I think everybody knows someone that's a teacher. And I think it would be awesome if like just over the holidays, you just reached out to that person, whether it's a text or a quick note and just tell them thank thank them for what they do. Like it, again, it is so incredibly hard and I think they're doing an amazing job and hopefully they get a bunch of time to disconnect over the holiday break. But I think it would be great to just reach out to somebody that you might know who's a teacher and, and thank them. It's a great point. Hug a teacher. Wait a minute. No, don't hug the teacher. Virtual <laughs> hug. We got to do the virtual hug. So let them know. And th that's a good reminder just because we all have our challenges this year, especially and it's easy to forget to do simple things like that. But when someone reaches out to you like that and just kind of thanks you just for being you and what you do, I don't know about you. It makes my day. I just and I will remember it forever. So good on you. We are going to play a before we depart. We're going to play a round of good stuff where both Mike and I will recommend something good to maybe brighten your day, enlighten you or cheer you up or some such thing. That's coming up in about one minute. Until then, let me tell you about what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go if you want your own podcast. How would you like your own show, kids? Now is actually a perfect time to start it because we do so much of it remotely. We do have studios in Westwood, Mass., which are open, and there's nice social distancing in there and sanitization and everything if you prefer. But we will send you out a quality USB mic as part of the deal. We'll produce your show from start to finish, intro music, outro music, everything in between. We'll get you posted 
and hosted on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everywhere you can find your podcast. And it's a great way if you're a professional, you're a business owner, whatever you are, to connect with your network, people that you value and treasure, your friends, and also clients and would-be clients. Go to pod617.com to get started. The Boston Podcast Network in pod we trust. Okay, let's play a round of good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. All right. All right, Mr. Education, the, the pressure's on here. So do you have something to Mike to recommend to to our listeners? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think there's uh not non-education really based. That's fine. No, you, you should go off the good. board. Yes. Um, you should go off the board. I've been trying to work a lot and and when I am able to disconnect, like look for things that are entertaining. Mm-hmm. Obviously been doing like the Netflix stuff as well but there's a show that just recently came out on on hbo Mm -hmm. the undoing which is like crime murder mystery six parts series i think hey yeah i just i like i was i i got into it really quickly and watched like all of it in a night yeah yeah had no idea who it was like had different theories the whole time Mm -hmm. and was just just totally engaged and was it was just a good disconnect uh for me yeah, that's Nicole Kidman's project. She stars along with her. Donald Sutherland plays her dad, and he's excellent. That guy must be yeah. two, 200 years old, but he just keeps getting better, <laughs> apparently. And then Hugh Grant, in kind of an unlikely role, plays her husband who is accused of murder. And along the way, others sort of get accused of murder. And like you say, you don't know who did it. I liked it. I, I give it like an A- minus because I think... Um, Nicole Kidman is, she's had, uh, and sorry, Nicole, you're a wonderful actress, but you've had so much work done on your face. You're starting to look like a, wa- a wax sculpture or something. Yeah, her face did not move much. It doesn't move. Yeah, yeah. But that is a good one. Thumbs up. Now, have you seen the the similarly suspenseful show called A Teacher? Because that would be sort of, certainly not similar to anyone, I hope, but that's the story. Of, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I've seen the uh, the previews for it, but yeah. I have not I have not looked at it, and I hope that I never have to deal <laughs> with anything like that. Uh, right, yeah. It's the, uh, this teacher played by Kate Mara is uh, drawn to one of her students, and romance ensues and all the trouble that goes with that. And to their credit, the show's producers put a message before and after each show saying, if you know anyone who's involved in anything and like this and needs help go to this website it's i think it's worth watching i think you'll like it although it's it is sort of at times a tough watch because of the subject matter put it that way anyways i will and i'll bring up one more thing maybe you've got me thinking about kids and what do kids love but star wars and so i've just finished watching the mandalorian which is if you haven't heard it's a star wars tale but in like eight parts, there were two seasons to this thing. And um, just because I've been geeking out on it, I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer here for season two of The Mandalorian. Have you seen this, Mike, or no? I haven't seen it. No. I've heard really good things, but haven't seen it yet. We'll take a little, Mike can watch the trailer, and the rest of you can listen at home. Season two of The Mandalorian. Well, so far, we're looking at a spaceship. I'm going to have to narrate until they start talking here. Show me the one whose safety deemed such destruction. You must reunite it with its own kind. This you must determine. The songs of eons past 
tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. So that that's just a taste of it, but it's now are you a Star Wars guy at all, Mike? Not, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I wouldn't say that I'm a, I'm like the, the, the biggest, the like. Most obsessed nerd fan. or anything. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll like it. I, th- I think even if you don't necessarily get into this, like I was, I, I was raised on Star Wars. I was young enough to, or I'm old enough, I should say, to have seen the first movie in 1970. Seven, I think the, and anyway, so, but this is, this is good and it's easy to get into. I think a lot of these shows and some of the recent Star Wars movies have almost become too complex, too dark. They're too like the Marvel movies have turned these things into like these immense, like three hour complicated things. And this one is easy to follow. And if you haven't heard, this is no spoilers here. I'm going to bend over backwards, not to give any spoilers because it's particularly sensitive for people who are fans of this thing. But it's the Mandalorian is he's known by Mando. If you remember Boba Fett from the Star Wars movies, he's wearing the same armor. So he's part of the same posse, so to speak. And Boba Fett actually turns up in this. That's not a spoiler. It's, I think everybody knows that. But the story is he comes upon this this property, which he is paid to do. He's a bounty hunter to capture this property. It turns out to be a baby Yoda. And we're like, well, what is this Yoda from the Star Wars movies? Or Well, no, it's a baby Yoda because ba- Yoda from the Star Wars movies has already died as we sit here in the Star Wars universe. And it is, but it's a very easy story to follow. It's great storytelling. There's some humor in it. There's people that will pop up, some actors you'll recognize. In fact, Bill Burr, the comedian, pops up in this. From Bill, Canton, Bill, Massachusetts. From Canton, Mass. Absolutely right. And he actually comes off as a, he plays the part well as like an intergalactic scoundrel with a Boston accent for some reason, but it works. And Giancarlo Esposito shows up. You might know him as the evil Gus Fring from the Breaking Bad yep. shows and uh, a lot of other people along the way. So I, th- this is, if you've, if people have told you it's great, they're right. And you don't even have to be a Star Wars nor- nerd to enjoy it. So kids, when you're done with all your virtual homework and your virtual classes, I, I encourage you to watch The Mandalorian. Um, yes. I appreciate that. Hey, one, one other quick thing that I didn't feel like remiss, but without sure some sort of educational like good stuff okay. uh, in this but my fa- my favorite book that I try and reread every once in a while and just started it again it's called the alchemist uh, by uh, Paolo Coelho mm. and it's it's a really quick read it's about like a kid who has a dream and like needs to follow his dream to like ultimately get what he wants but it's like a it's kind of like an adventurous, uh, uh, really well-written short book that that I would highly recommend for anybody over the break that is it's a couple hundred pages looking to, to escape a little bit, but yeah. also be inspired. I, I truly love that book. I've already found it online, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but available on Amazon and wherever fine books are sold, I'm quite sure. Good one. Good one. Well, you've, you've passed the audition, Mike Bauer. Congratulations. And once again, find out more about Mike at up, edu- let me make sure I get it right. Up education network.org. Is that right? That's correct. All right. And I hope you had fun, Mike. I did. I did really appreciate uh, you having me on. I, uh, thanks so much. Excellent. And thank you for all you do and keep at it. This pandemic will end someday thanks to mike bauer thanks to the up education network one more time that website is upeducationnetwork.org 
If you like this podcast, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and share with a friend. If you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com. On behalf of Mike Bauer, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Happy New Year. I am a father, I'm fine, it's fine, it's fine.